Hey there, friends, and welcome to episode 216 of Just the Zoo of Us. This week, I'm joined by a familiar voice. Science communicator Ralph Crew is back with us to review the wiggly little living fossils full of teeth and blood Pacific lampreys. We discuss the intersection between the natural and man-made world, what lampreys can tell us about the history of vertebrate evolution, the unique adaptations that have let them thrive from riverbeds all the way to the open ocean and back for hundreds of millions of years, and why you should thank a lamprey today. This episode works really well as a follow-up to our last guest episode, in which fish biologist Brenda Prachel from the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory, which will be mentioned in this episode, she joined us to talk about sturgeon. So if this episode catches your interest, pop back over to episode 216 and check that one out too. But for now, just sit back and enjoy as Just the Zoo of Us presents Pacific Lampreys with Ralph Crew. with just the zoo of us your favorite animal review podcast this week we have not a new friend a returning friend returning champion shall i say (laughs) i'll take it (laughs) the reigning champion (laughs) we have a returning friend longtime listeners will recognize the name and the voice of our friend ralph crew say hi ralph hi thanks for having me back thank you for coming back it feels like so many of our friends are like transient Mm-hmm. Right? People just come on, share their knowledge, and then disappear into the ether, never to be seen again. But it's like making friends at an airport. That's just a for now friend. <laughs> yes, but no, I'm back. You can't get rid of no. me. No, you're locked in here with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, uh, we introduced you last time you were here to speak with us, but just in case there are friends who are, you know, maybe new to the show, have sure. heard your Chimney Swift episode, let our friends listening know a little bit about you. How did you get into the sort of work that you do that has led you to crossing paths with our animal for this week? Right, 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 right. So let's see, in an educational sense, I have a degree in biology, I st- so I've always been a big science nerd. Uh, and I spent actually 10 years working at a science center, like a big science museum. And so I've always been uh, really interested and excited about science communication in a very sort of general way too. And actually, that's what I do for a career now. Although I went a bit of a different direction, I now am the writer and producer for a YouTube channel called Practical Engineering, which I highly recommend. It is a delight. It's all about the built world and the, the structures around us that, you know, there are these huge concrete and steel structures around us that we ignore, but there's an awful lot of story that goes into them and they, they make a big impact on the world around us. And that's kind of what inspired me to come back on and talk, actually. I, yeah. Yeah. So I traveled out near your new neck of the woods out in the Pacific Northwest. I was so excited the Pacific Northwest National Laboratory invited our team out to do a video on their fish passage research. So there's a lot of hydroelectric dams on the Columbia River, which is like the southern border of Washington, uh, the northern border of Oregon, I guess. And uh, anyway, we got to go out. We got to go see a dam from the inside, which is just astounding. The, the scale of it is 
absolutely enormous. And one of the things that was most interesting is that they have a whole lot of infrastructure for fish, which is wild, right? When we think of infrastructure, it's usually for people. The animals tend to be an afterthought, right? They might they be like, tend oh, to be. maybe. And then even then, it's usually only like, oh, they keep running into our stuff and damaging it. <laughs> right. right. They put up like chicken wire so that they don't nest somewhere. But no, no. In this case, there's all this very extensive fish passage in both directions at this dam so that it allows adult fish to travel upstream. Uh, famously, right, they have salmon runs out there. So salmon... They're anadromous, right? So they start out as babies in a stream, and then when they grow up, they go out to sea for a while. And then when it's time to spawn, to make more salmon, they come back up uh, the river. So there's fish passage in both directions on these dams. Uh, Fish ladders that help the adult salmon swim upstream. I am a recent fan of fish ladders because i'd never heard of them before ever yeah until like a couple months ago and we just moved to the seattle area and from like three different people that had nothing to do with each other all three people said you got to go to ballard and go to the locks which are like these giant structures that kind of like let water in it's like an elevator for boats basically yes and they were like you have to go to the ballard locks and go see the fish ladder and i was like i don't know and they were like it sounds lame (laughs) Everyone was like, it sounds super boring, but go. It's so cool. It is so cool. Yes. And we had a blast watching these salmon go up these little fish ladders. Big fan of fish ladders. Yes. So me too. Fish ladders are a huge deal. Uh, But of course, that's only like the one direction and fish have to get through the dam the other direction too. Mm. And hydro dams, like the water goes through these big turbines, which aren't great for baby fish. (laughs) That's true. Although they actually have designed new turbines that are better for baby fish and are also somehow more efficient, which is great. They actually managed to to have a win. win. Yeah, exactly. Win-win. They they get a more efficient turbine and it, it does less damage to the baby fish. But they also have sort of bypass channels, ways that they move the babies up and down. And one of the species, the, re- the reason I wanted to come in and talk to you is that it's not just salmon, right? Salmon are the pretty fish. <laughs> Everybody loves them. Everybody loves salmon. Salmon are, you know, they're like the Instagram influencer. <laughs> uh, like they're, they're, they have a lot of followers. They're, you know, they're very pretty. I didn't realize until I lived here how central they are to like art and like identity of the Pacific Northwest because these things are everywhere. Yes, it's a huge deal. It's like the logo. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And and fair enough. Salmon are delightful. I could definitely talk about salmon for a long time, but that is not why I am here. No, we're shining the spotlight on one that doesn't get it as so much. On an overlooked, but also anadromous, which is just means that they migrate, they spawn in the freshwater, migrate out to sea for a while, and then come back and spawn. We are talking about the Pacific lamprey. Let's get into this creature because they've been kind of on like the outskirts of my research where they kind of pop up in these like listicles of like the 10 weirdest animals you've ever Mm -hmm. seen, right? Like the spookiest, the creepiest, like they're always around as like this gross out sort of like wow, you can't believe this, you know, but I've never really dug into them before. So could you introduce us to the lamprey? So the lamprey, today I'll talk specifically about the Pacific lamprey, although there are around 40 lamprey species in the world. They are a jawless 
fish. Mm. Um, so they diverged away from most of what we think of as vertebrates, right? We think about like fish, like bony fish or sharks or, or tetrapods like you and me, right? Like land animals and stuff with bones and... <laughs> An anarchist approach to <laughs> describing what fish are. They're all, either we're all fish or none of us are. <laughs> well, right. No, I know. That's totally a thing, right? Fish are fish a thing? <laughs> if they are a thing, then we are fish also. But the lampreys kind of barely are fish, right? They they diverged away a long time ago. They don't even have jaws, right? They, uh, they're on thin ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they got let in on a technicality. We're like, yeah. They're just barely vertebrates. They don't have bones. They don't even have an appendicular skeleton. So, like, you know, we have arms and legs usually. And and if you look at fish, they usually have pectoral and pelvic fins. Not the case for lampreys. They don't... Didn't need them. Ev- they quit the band and started their own thing <laughs> hundreds of millions of years ago. And so they have this sort of, like, sucker-like face, uh, this disc for a mouth that doesn't have jaws in it, but it does have really pretty scary teeth in it (laughs) so many of them more so so many an excessive amount i would say and not just all in one row the way that we do they're sort of they're all over the place in there it's like concentric rings almost i don't know if it's concentric rings or if it's a spiral or what but there's like it's teeth all the way down there's teeth there's so many teeth they even kind of have teeth on their tongue kind of it's a whole thing that's great awesome Uh, love it yeah it's getting better (laughs) but you know i feel like it's easy to overlook a species that is maybe not as classically beautiful as a salmon, but I think they play a really interesting <laughs> role, and that I'm rooting for them. I think they're they're cool, interesting species, and they're also very culturally significant in the Pacific Northwest, which I thought was really cool. They're, they're, yeah. They have been harvested for food um, by native populations for millennia, I would imagine, for a very long time, uh, and they play an uh, interesting role there. And like salmon, they have, they have this whole life cycle, but they're they're just easy to overlook. And so I thought it'd be fun to shine a light on them for a little bit. It almost feels like the human sort of like when you look at a lamprey, you see all the teeth on the bottom and you're like, oh my God, gross. But <laughs> yeah. if you look at them from like a normal angle, like when they're like stuck on something mm-hmm. or like from above or something, they, they don't look that bad. They don't look that bad. It's not that bad. They have these sleek bodies. They have two dorsal fins, which is cool, right? They have one nostril on the top of their head. Oh, Which is like adorable. It's like a blowhole. Yeah, it's like a, it's like blow a blowhole, hole. but they don't breathe. They have uh, gills, you know, on their... They don't really have necks, but they have gills along their body, behind their mouth. Interestingly, like, so for most fish, they when they pass water over their gills, it goes in through their mouth and then out through their gills. But a lamprey's mouth is busy most of the time. When they- <laughs> occupied (laughs) so when they're an adult they're in the ocean they are sort of like a parasite specifically the pacific lamprey is like this there are a couple other lifestyles that other lampreys do but their mouth is going to be sort of latched on to the side of a fish or maybe a whale or something like that so obviously they can't be passing water through uh so they actually sort of they call it tidal respiration where they sort of draw water in and out of their gills on the sides of their bodies which i think oh That's very interesting. Yeah. And they're also, they don't have like a gill plate or operculum like a lot of bony fish do. They don't even have the same kind of like gill slits like you might see in a shark. They just have gill pores. So they're like holes. They look like these round holes that go down uh, their body. 
almost feels like a glimpse into like the distant past of fish. Right. And that's one of the things that I think is so interesting about them. I mean, like superficially, they look a lot like eels or something, but you are actually more closely related to an eel <laughs> than either of you and the eel are to the lamprey. Like they diverge early, early on in the story of the vertebrates, right? And I think that's really interesting because, you know, we are ourselves vertebrates, but we're kind of like, you know, highly derived. We have all these pieces of anatomy that the lamprey doesn't have yet. But they've still managed to be successful, right? You know, some people will call them living fossils, but they've been evolving this whole time, but that their plan is working. So, you know, yeah. if, it, if it ain't broke, why fix it, you know? No, run it again. It's good. Let's, let's <laughs> do it. Let's go jawless fish Keep one more copies. time. <laughs> <laughs> Once more with feeling. It's an encore. It's a... Yeah. It's a it's a 100 million year encore. They they make a lot of copies too. You mentioned that uh they uh <laughs> so they only mate once, right? Like a salmon in that sense they're semelparous, right? Which just means they they have one mating moment and they make in this case a ton, a ton of offspring. Uh female lamprey can lay like 100,000 eggs. That's too many, I would say. That's too many. That's, That's ridiculous. That's too many. <laughs> Perhaps overinvested, perhaps. Can you imagine having 100,000 kids? It's crazy. Um, I've had two. And that seems like a lot to me. That's so much. <laughs> Let's do some ratings. All right. Uh, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, what we do is we rate animals out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. Effectiveness for us is physical adaptations, right? Things that are built into the animal's body. In this case, their ancient relic of a body. <laughs> their incomprehensible body. Ralph, what do you give the Pacific lamprey out of 10 for effectiveness? I'm going to give them a solid 8. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, but they That's do pretty good. They do really well, especially with the hand they've been dealt, right? They don't even have limbs at all or a jaw, and yet they're able to be really effective. Uh, that facial disc that they use is very versatile too, right? So like when they're out to sea, that's a feeding structure, but when they come back into the mating grounds, they will move rocks around with their face. So even though they lack a lot of the structures that you would use if someone asked you to move a rock, um, they, they're, <laughs> they're able to do it. In fact, they're like the Latin name of the whole group of the lampreys is called, I have it written down over here, it is the Petromyzontiformes, which translates roughly into stone suckers. Oh, interesting. I mean, they do that. They do yeah. suck stones. So that sounds like a rude way of like dismissing somebody like go suck a stone. Like, <laughs> yeah, fair. And I feel like but calling someone a lamprey might be an insult on its own. That's right? true. You know? Yeah. So maybe it's appropriate. <laughs> but not fair, though. The lampreys are underrated. I think they're a special animal and they play a huge role because all the nutrients that they collect when they're out to sea, they bring back upstream, right? And that really mm. infuses the whole ecosystem with all this energy that you wouldn't get otherwise. It's, you know, very much similar to the way that salmon do that and why they're such a big deal. Yeah, I recently was doing a little bit of looking into Pacific lampreys, and I learned a little bit about their role as a prey buffer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're a favorite thing to eat for predators, right? Which means that those predators are also not eating other things. Because, you know, if you're an osprey or something like that, you can only eat so many fish. And so the the lamprey are a great, you know, they, they sort of... <laughs> One of their roles is they get eaten a lot, basically, <laughs> which is kind of tough, you know. But I mean, think about it. If they're laying 100,000 eggs per mated pair, 
in like a stable population, you get two back from that. So that means nine hundred and ninety nine thousand or whatever that whatever the large ninety nine thousand nine hundred <laughs> a lot of nines. They mostly they die a lot. They get eaten a lot, a lot, a lot. But they've budgeted for that. Yeah. Like, We've budgeted for some of you to die. <laughs> yeah. No, if you're like a biology nerd, they are heavily R selected. So like, you know, like they're like we are K selected species where we put a lot of time and effort into in individual children. We want most of them, if not all of them to live. Not the case at all with the lamprey. They just make a, a whole bunch of them and say, good luck. There's a quote from Shrek. Um <laughs> <laughs> In which Lord Farquaad says, some of you may die, but that is a sacrifice I'm willing to make. That's right. That's the parenting <laughs> style of the Pacific Lamprey. Lord Farquaad is really someone you want to emulate in your parenting style. <laughs> Definitely a role model that we could all look I up I feel to. like I was raised by Lord Farquaad a little bit. <laughs> you know, Shrek came, I was a little old when Shrek came up, but he still influenced me. You know, I look up to him. Yeah, he's a real uh, a real icon. We talk about him way too much on this show. I think if we talk about him too many more times, where we have to rebrand as a fan cast. <laughs> <laughs> something that I also like read about when I was reading about Pacific lampreys, and something that you mentioned is that they, they when they do that, like pushing the stones around and like burrowing into like getting into the nooks and crannies right of the riverbed and things like that. That they're they're kicking stuff up, right? Like they're kicking up sediment that's buried up under the rocks. Which maybe that's something that you have to like consider when you're building structures along rivers right well for sure i mean you know stuff like a dam fundamentally changes a river as well right like it creates this pool behind it this reservoir where the water isn't moving so much and it not as ideal for lampreys for sure but they they definitely you know when they do find the area that they're going to nest in they call it redding by the way they call it a, a lamprey red and if you ever happen to be walking through a stream in the pacific northwest and you see a sort of circular depression with a bunch of rocks around the outside of it that is a lamprey red that is so cool yeah, yeah. i feel like i'm gonna have to keep an eye out for that yeah so like you probably won't see lampreys themselves very much but you can definitely find their reds out there and yeah they definitely impact the ecosystem where they're at partially by stirring up the sediment and oxygenating it and helping uh all the various uh microbial processes that go along there but then also like their offspring themselves are filter feeders they they actually spend quite a while they're born like the size of an eyelash which i heard someone oh. as a lamprey scientist described like imagine a hundred thousand eyelashes that's uh, not working it's not getting better like <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> The the optics on the lamprey are not improving. <laughs> they also when they, they don't have eyes when they first hatch out, they're just these little almost worm looking it's a larval phase, right? So sure. similar to how, you know, like a butterfly starts out as a caterpillar, or a lamprey starts out as this thing they call it an ammo seat. And they bury down into that sediment and they themselves, they're filter feeding. So they eat little microbes and stuff. They're little spongy sieve kind of lifestyle for, for quite a while. So they don't jump straight into, like, eldritch horror territory. They have a period of time where they're a little more chill about it. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could call it, If you consider having no eyes and living <laughs> in the mud and eating bacteria and such as chill, for sure. It's way more chill than what comes next. Yeah, what comes next, they develop a facial disc. They grow their eyes, which were sort of underneath their skin to begin with. And then they head out to sea. 
and then all hell breaks loose and then yeah. it just gets real silly it out gets, there. <laughs> yeah, well, they do, you know, like some sort of parasitic flavored organisms kill their host, which is a bummer. And that is not the case with the lamprey. Most most really? fish can survive, especially think of something the size of a sperm whale, right, which is one of their favorite hosts. They've got a lot of blood going on. They don't need all of it. Like they're, you know, <laughs> they have blood to spare. It's fine. You're not going to miss it. <laughs> you don't need all that blood. Look at that. You got a whole whale of blood. <laughs> What's a couple lampreys between friends? Just toss them on What's there. What's a few, a couple lampreys hanging out? <laughs> They're probably not the only ones stuck on there too, right? Like the, the lampreys no. are stuck on there looking around like, oh, hey, what's up, barnacles? <laughs> yeah, what's up, barnacles? I feel like I would rather, a lamprey is cuter than a barnacle. Maybe I don't know, maybe not. Mm. Uh, <laughs> hmm. But yeah, they, they, they latch on and they drink blood for, for some time. In some cases, it can be a few years. And then they come back home. But unlike salmon, so salmon always go back to like exactly where they were born, right? Like they that's where they go. Yeah, they peaked in high school and that's them right. coming back to the homecoming game. The, the reunion. <laughs> They're like, oh man, look, Bill really let himself go or whatever. Uh, they, <laughs> Long after they don't know anybody there anymore. <laughs> yeah. But the uh, lampreys will just go sort of anywhere that seems like good lamprey habitat they in fact some species have been known to cross whole oceans like they might be born in england and and actually in a not always great way they'll come to north america there's a a european lamprey i think it's just called the marine lamprey or the sea lamprey it's the sea lamprey and they uh they now live in the great lakes which is not what you want apparently that's (laughs) that one is an invasive but oh no that's not something you want to be invasive (laughs) no no, but the Pacific lamprey is native species, and so like that. You go here. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I always like to root for the the species that get you know like I'm I get excited about all animals. I think they're really you know I'm a biology dork, and I it's so easy to overlook something like a lamprey. You know, lots of f- fuzzy, cute things uh, get a lot of attention, but the lampreys play a really important role in their ecosystem. And they're also very culturally significant in in the Pacific Northwest as well. And I think it's really cool that people are starting to spend a little more time thinking about these little guys. Especially me. <laughs> I'm thinking about them. I'm yeah. in their corner. <laughs> yeah. And I have to separate my feelings about how they look, right? Like my feelings of discomfort and sort of unsettlement think about them. <laughs> how weird we must look to a lamprey, right? Like a lamprey has got to be like, what is going on with a human? You got the That's like. That's true. They're probably like, you guys are not going to believe this. <laughs> yeah. Where are your fins? Your bones are. You got bones. That's weird. What's this flappy jaw thing going on? I mean, we probably look like a nightmare to a lamprey, really. They're probably looking at us like, you have how many holes in your head? Why would you have that many? You yeah. only need one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a, just a big sucker mouth. Why are all your teeth lined up? horizontal that's weird hey friends we're going to take a quick break to hear from a couple of the other shows on the maximum fun network when we get back we are talking ingenuity and aesthetics for pacific lampreys so stay with us hello sleepyheads sleeping with celebrities is your podcast pillow pal we talk to remarkable people about unremarkable topics all to help you slow down your brain and drift off to sleep For instance, we have the remarkable Neil Gaiman. I'd always had a vague interest in live culture, food preparation. Sleeping with Celebrities, hosted by me, John Moe, on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Night-night. 
Somewhere in an alternate universe where Hollywood is smarter. And the Emmy nominees for Outstanding Comedy Series are Jet Pacula, Airport Marriott, Thruple, Dear America, We've Seen You Naked, and Allah in the Family. In our stupid universe, you can't see any of these shows, but you can listen to them on Dead Pilot Society, the podcast that brings you hilarious comedy pilots that the networks and streamers bought but never made. Journey to the alternate television universe of Dead Pilot Society on MaximumFun.org. So the next category that we rate animals on is ingenuity. This is behavioral adaptations, things that the animal is actually doing to like solve problems that it faces or like figure things out or get to where it needs to be, evade conflicts, things like that. What would you give Pacific Lampreys out of 10 for ingenuity? So I thought about this for a while and maybe I'm overrating them, but I'm also going to give them an eight on okay, this. Okay, that's fair. This will be my last very high rating for them, <laughs> by the way. Well, if you know what comes <laughs> next, then you know where we're going. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, so like their life cycle is, I think it's brilliant. Um, and they, they have a way of sort of not competing with their own offspring, right? Like the, the babies live in a completely different place than the adults. So they're not, they're not all competing for the same resources, which I think is really sort of ingenious. Also, you know, I think mixing the, the feeding strategies of being a filter feeding, you know, at the bottom, like inside the sediment of a stream or wherever, I think is a really interesting place to do it. And then switching to a free-swimming parasitic ocean fish is wild. I think it's pretty ingenious. And, you know, to be fair, like, they come from a time... <laughs> I mean, of course, they come from today, but they don't have a lot of the evolved structures that other animals in their in their ecosystems have. And yet they make do with, with what they've got really well. And I think that's... That's pretty cool. It must be difficult to uh, generate force, like enough force to like latch onto something when you don't have those like fins, like you mentioned, like pectoral fins, mm -hmm. which are other fish use those to like generate thrust that they would need to like move at speeds that would let them like, you'd think that sticking onto something, you'd have to be coming at it at a pretty decent speed. Yeah, they, but they are very good swimmers, actually. They have, uh, like I mentioned before, they have two dorsal fins um, and a powerful tail, and they're able to just make it work. If you watch them swim, actually, superficially, they look an awful lot like eels, mm. even though they're biologically not very closely related to eels. So they, they've taken that sort of serpentine body plan, and they're making it work really well. They'd have to be. Right? To be sticking onto things in the middle of the ocean? Because it's rough out there. Yeah, you got to catch the thing that you want to... And, and they've also got to sense that thing, too. And I think that's really interesting. They have various chemoreceptive structures on their body. I mentioned they have a single nostril on top of their head, which that one feels like a joke almost. Like, Just and one. one nostril um, right on top. But they also, they have these papillae, these little tiny finger-like projections around their facial discs that are sensitive to um, that's what that is that's what that is i was cheating uh i was looking at pictures of them uh on google and i was wondering what Which the sort is of a, like that's a google rabbit hole to go down to i was wondering what the fringe the sort of like cowboy tassel fringe around right. the mouth which makes them look like a spin mop yeah no those are they can sort of smell in that way 
That makes sense. And also, I feel like they should get some points for ingenuity for even taking the work smarter, not harder approach to Mm -hmm. living in the ocean, right? Because, like, what am I going to do? Swim around, navigate the entire ocean by myself? No, I'm going to stick on a whale and let him do it for me. (laughs) That's right. And, you know, he got dinner figured out for years at that point, too. What I wouldn't give... Right? I wouldn't give to just have the one thing. Imagine if you had a faucet in your house and spaghetti came out of it. That <laughs> That is more or less the, the the lifestyle of the Pacific lamprey. That would be amazing for about 4 days until <laughs> my kids are like, "I don't like spaghetti anymore." <laughs> Can you imagine a lamprey being like, "I don't feel like whale blood tonight whale blood had whale blood but the good thing they don't even have to feed their kids their kids are in the mud in a river somewhere (laughs) not my problem yeah will my kids have for dinner none of my business yeah my hundred thousand babies (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a them problem i don't know you can't be bothered but i'd be the one that's like i just had whale blood i don't want whale blood again there's that new blood place down the street. Maybe we should go try that one. See if their blood's tuna in. blood. Yeah. Oof. Oh. See. That's good blood. <laughs> I don't like tuna blood. <laughs> but there's some like for for being a guy that like a little guy that doesn't have as many tools in their kit for like necessarily swimming as other fish do. It would be to their advantage to just let somebody else do all the swimming for them. Yeah, no, it's a it's a really brilliant and ingenious life strategy. That's why I rated them highly on this particular category. That's why they're cleaning up. I'm supportive of the choice. Yeah. I'm glad they're not doing it to me. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. If I was a whale, I might feel differently about that. I might be like, you know what? Maybe because that's probably how like we feel about like ticks and stuff. Yeah. That's probably how whales are like, come on. They're a little tick-like in their behavior. Are they related at all to leeches? So leeches are, from what I understand, I'm not a leechologist. Also, I'm not even really a lampreyologist. I just, <laughs> I just went and visited them, and I thought they were really cool. You could tell me that leeches belong literally anywhere on the entire animal kingdom right now, and I would totally believe you. I, I have think no clue they are, what they are. <laughs> I think they are annelids, which I think means that they are closer to things like the earthworms and the polychaete worms and things like that. You're right. I, am I right? You're right. Yep, All they right. sure are. Phylum annelida and annelid. annelid. Yeah. (laughs) Anilidae? Anilidae? Anilida? Anilida? I'm going to say it every possible way, and then I'll cut out all of them except for the one that's right. Except for the right one. That's that's the right strategy. That is an efficient life strategy, like a lamprey. (laughs) Make a bunch of mistakes and then delete all of them. That's how I approach things. Right. Do it wrong and then delete all the evidence. (laughs) But yeah, it looks like leeches are, in fact, worms, which news to me but it's interesting that they kind of have such a similar sort of approach to lampreys which like you mentioned are like very very distantly related right you're closer to a lamprey than a leech is yeah and you're not you're not that close to a lamprey either you know it's they're, they're just to me there's something so interesting about like the vertebrate family tree and they're like a really distant cousin to us and i think that's an interesting part of the story you know like it it tells you quite a bit about what the very very first vertebrates must have been like right because it's like what are the things that we do have in common with lampreys 
not many things, but there are certain, you know, like neurological structures, muscle structures, and they, they have the very, very beginnings of a spine. Uh, not quite. Like they don't have bones, which makes it tough, but they do have a <laughs> spinal cord. And so do you. And I think that's baby's first vertebra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the starter vertebra. You get the one. Yeah. The Amazon basics vertebra. <laughs> Great value. So what I think probably a lot of people are curious about the way you're going to go on is the last category we rate animals on, which is aesthetics. Yeah. This is a wild card here for me. I don't know where you're going to land on this one. What do you give Pacific Lampreys out of 10 for aesthetics? I think I'd rate them even worse than leeches, actually. And it's tough because I, I, I'm i rooting for them. I really right. am. And they don't, you know, they don't know what they look like. You're like, you know, they find each other to be quite attractive. But I, I think I have to give them maybe like a 0.5. <laughs> Here's my thing. If you find a picture of lampreys just from above, right. they're not... Not so bad. They're kind of cute. Kind of a funky eel, you know? People like they, eels, right? They're like an eel with an even more sort of like puppy doggy sort of face. Like it's like a, got a lot of like sort of soft features and these small eyes and like... I think they're kind of cute. And I feel like all of the pictures you're going to find of lampreys when you Google them are like... Maybe they're like stuck on glass or some sort of see-through surface. Right. Which is like, we were never meant to see that. That's not an angle meant for human eyes. Mm -mm. Like, that's not for us. We weren't supposed to see that anyway. No. No, 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 no. But the mouth is, the facial disc is, whoo, it's rough. It's it's, it's doing so much. So, sort of stuff a nightmares kind of look with the teeth and the like raspy tongue and the uh it's just not yeah. so yeah i mean they're they're you know it's a hard sell one of the ugliest animals i've ever seen but <laughs> but i still like them i still root for them you know like aesthetics isn't everything it's not everything that's true i think there is value in not feeling like an animal has to be cute for us to like it right and being exactly. like listen i'm gonna level with you this one's not a looker <laughs> Yeah, all right, so this one is a nightmare that came to life, but... <laughs> but there's also, like, that, like, macabre sort of, like, horror angle, right? For sure. Right? Yeah. I think no. there's, like, there's charisma in that. Yeah, people love horror movies, and the lamprey is the horror movie of the fishes. <laughs> it's the can't look away sort of, uh, I love pain, and so I'm looking at this to torture myself. That's what they're yeah. for. But it'll also make you appreciate that your own, you know, like if you're ever feeling down on yourself and you're like, man, I look like crap today, just uh, Google lampreys and you'll feel better about how you look. Like, for never sure. mind, actually. I like, think actually, I'm, I'm good. doing great. <laughs> I wonder what uh, lamprey standards of beauty are. Like, what makes a lamprey look at another lamprey and be like, yeah. That's looking good. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know I what they're like, like. Hey, girl, let me see that mouth disc. I think it's like, oh, look at the size of the rock he can move with his mouth disc. <laughs> you know, that's impressive. Yeah, so this is a monster of nightmares. and uh, But I still only feel like, because we, we talked about this recently when, when Christian and I talked about the barrel eye. Deep sea fish, never meant for human eyes, right? Like, this wasn't. That's not for this is not for the human gaze, right? No. Like no. they're not and made like, for our You have to be looking for lampreys to see one, right? They're not mm. it's not like a little bluebird or something, right? Like you got like they're underwater, usually out in the ocean when they're in their adult phase, which is really the phase that's horrifying. The amocytes or amocetes are um they're not so bad. They just look like little wormy guys. 
I think so. I I looked up lamprey on fish, mm. and I yeah. did unfortunately find images of exactly what I looked for. And I think I'm I'm back around. I came back. I'm on the other side. I was like given the benefit of the doubt, seeing from the right angle. They're kind of cute. And then I saw one. I saw them on a fish, and I talked myself back out of it. And the fish is usually pretty disappointed about that situation. This fish is <laughs> nonplussed. This is. A not ideal situation for this fish. This fish looks like uh, has like the mouth open and the wide, which I know that's like the default expression for a fish. But this fish looks like, are you guys seeing this? Yeah. No, it, I think a fish is usually pretty pretty let down when they get a lamprey. But you know, because here's my a problem I'm experiencing with it is that there's also an image of someone holding a lamprey next to a fish that it has just been yanked off of. Oh, and you can see the. <sighs> They leave a mark. That's, it's, yep. It's like nature's worst hickey. <laughs> it is very, it's not good. It's not it's my not, favorite image. No. It's a cursed, it's a deeply cursed <laughs> image. It's every yeah. image I consume, I'm taking psychic damage every few seconds. For this sure, is for sure. Deeply this injurious. Is, I, I don't recommend Googling them unless you have a fairly strong stomach. That's for sure. But they're, but yeah, still ecologically and culturally significant animals that are worthy of conservation, right? And like Absolutely. people are thankfully, finally spending a lot of uh, time and effort to, to make sure that these are doing well. And to be fair, they've been here a whole lot longer than us, right? Like an animal that looks an awful lot like a lamprey has been swimming around for hundreds of millions of years, right? Like They were here first. They were here first. We're the, we're the, we're the weird ones, really. I'm trying to remember, there was a video that I saw one time, and I'm trying so hard to remember what zoo it was from. I think it was a zoo where it started off where this zoo employee was like, oh, the, I, like there's one animal in the zoo that is just the cutest thing in the whole world. It's my favorite animal, and it's just the cutest thing in the world. And then she, it turns out she's talking about a lamprey. Oh, do they unironically think that the lampreys are the cutest thing in the world? I don't think that it... I think it was a bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a bit. That, that's got to be a bit. Yeah. Uh, oh, so there was... A, I find a news article with the headline, Different Kind of Adorable Animal, Pacific Lamprey Return to Oregon Zoo. One of them says, The Cuteness Returns. <laughs> <laughs> the zoo says lamprey can be seen... This is at the Oregon Zoo. It says, The zoo says lamprey can often be seen suctioned onto the glass of their habitat windows, showcasing sucker-like mouths and concentric rings. Okay, I'm glad... I was right about that. Um, of sharp yellow teeth, all part of the fish's remarkable non-traditional cuteness. It's certainly non-traditional. I will give them that. <laughs> this yeah. is an unconventional appearance. <laughs> yeah, it's a look. It's a look. Cuteness alert! Pacific lamprey find a home at the Oregon Zoo. This feels like catfishing, I think. Well, certainly some kind of fishing. <laughs> this, I feel like I'm being gaslit. By the zoo. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I don't believe they believe that. But, you know, I it is important, I think, to not only like cute animals. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, you know, and or animals that have a feeding strategy that you don't find horrifying. Like, that really cuts... I think, you, you know, yeah. I, I have a much richer life because I got to spend some time with lamprey scientists and got to, uh, to learn about the role that they play in their ecosystems, which is, I, I mean really important and they as i mentioned i mean they're moving huge amounts of nutrients from the ocean uh back up into the landscape so so much of the richness 
that you see in the the more charismatic animals in the Pacific Northwest, whether it's bears or eagles or foxes or whatever. A lot of that, like their trophic energy is coming from lampreys, right? Without lampreys, you're going to have a lot less of all of that. So thank lampreys. Yeah, thanks lampreys. You're all welcome, actually. Yeah, and most of them end up as food. Like they are a prey species for a ton of different predators. And and those predators end up making the whole environment richer. So I think it's I think it's worthwhile uh, to appreciate the humble horrifying Pacific lamprey. Nature is beautiful. <laughs> and this little mess is no exception. Yeah, I think so. It's a beautiful little mess. Well, last time I was on the show I talked about an adorable little bird. And so I figured I'd have to go a different direction this time. You have to balance the scales a little bit. You have to bring it back down into reality. Listen, I was like one of those kids that was really into like dark, like macabre stuff. I was Mm -hmm. a Titanic kid, a Pompeii kid, loved the series of unfortunate events, right? So like, I feel that sort of like feeling of being enthralled with like things that kind of freak you out a little bit. Yeah. Like, I love that stuff. I can't think of an animal that's more kind of freaky than... It scratches the itch. Right? (laughs) It's doing it. It's working. It really, really does. And then once you learn about them, you're like, they're not really that. I guess, you know, they're no more freaky than like a leech or a tick would be. Right. And I think they're much more ecologically important than leeches and ticks. Although I'm, again, (laughs) I'm not a leechologist. So maybe, maybe I'm undervaluing leeches. Maybe I should should dig into them next and and uh learn about how i'm sure they contribute at least a little something bit. Uh, ticks i could leave i don't need ticks at all i'm fine if they went extinct i don't think i would cry i did a a, a tiktok recently on like ticks and like it's in the same vein as like people have this feeling about mosquitoes right is that like they could all mm. drop dead and everything would be fine but you know mosquitoes are an important food source like especially as larvae they're important mm-hmm. aquatic food sources for things like that and then ticks kind of do the same thing but on the ground so they're important for like ground nesting birds and like fowl like turkeys and stuff like that and then there's this whole other rabbit hole you can go down where everybody always thought that opossums ate ticks and it turns out they don't really eat that many ticks it's a whole no i think i remember hearing about that someone the researcher who said they eat a lot of ticks just fed a lot of ticks to a possum but that doesn't <laughs> Like, if you have a captive possum and you only give it ticks to eat, it will eat ticks. (laughs) Turns out. I think it was that, like, a lot of the early research that suggested that they ate ticks just, like, dissected an opossum and found a bunch of ticks, but didn't differentiate between whether they were, like, in the stomach or just, like, fell off the skin of the opossum. So, like, that opossum could have just, like, been covered in ticks and, like, that just, like, fell in with their stomach contents. So, they're like, I don't think there were actually that many in there. So anyway, little rabbit hole you can go down if you want well, to. Well, maybe I should maybe I should appreciate the ticks more. It's just in the spirit of giving everyone a chance. I feel like a lamprey would appreciate a tick. Best buds over there. They're they're in the uncharismatic animal support group. The like hideous blood sucking friend group. I bet the, <laughs> their their group chat is probably hilarious. <laughs> what i wouldn't give to see those texts i would love to be in that discord server oh man good blood today good blood today i wonder if our icky feeling about lampreys is maybe rooted in some sort of like snake adjacent feeling yeah right of being like long thing with no legs don't like that don't like that it definitely it does not help uh if, you're, if you don't <laughs> like snakes you might not like lampreys but but I actually, both lampreys and snakes are worthwhile animals, I think, that are worthy. For sure. 
And it's a great animal to, like, if you can stomach a lamprey and get into it and get excited about it and, and start to care about its conservation, then I think you could probably do that for most animals. And I think that's a special role that they play, right? Like, you yeah. know. Yeah. It's the gateway weird animal. It's easy to get someone excited about a panda, I think, right? But, like, if you get someone excited about a lamprey, then maybe they're on the, they'll, they'll care a little bit more about the whole natural world. And I think we'd, we'd do well to have more people like that. You catch kids at the zoo like, hey, you want to see the real stuff? Yeah. <laughs> you want to see the real weirdos? I got something for you. Yeah. Check out this lamprey. Well, Ralph, before we wrap up for today, I would love it if you could let people know where they can find your work. I know you mentioned applied engineering, so let people know where they can find stuff like that. If you've yeah. got social media that people can follow, like where can people go after this? Sure. So I work for Practical Engineering, which is a YouTube channel. You just Google us. That's how I got into the to the lamprey thing. Uh, we went and did a trip. We actually haven't uh, published our episode on the Pacific Northwest National Lab uh, yet, but it will be coming out sometime soon. So keep an eye out for that one, and you'll get to see some of the things that got me all inspired about lampreys. Mm. But then, yeah, I just have regular. You can find me on Instagram uh, or whatever, just Ralph Crew. You know, I'm all about uh, all sorts of curiosities and things like that. So t- love to hear from folks. See if you can uh, one up the lamprey and just spam <laughs> Ralph with yes, just the most viscerally nightmarish animal pictures you can find. Yeah, please flood my Instagram with that. That would be great. <laughs> Just atrocious vibes. You just want (laughs) to spam the most rancid vibes you can think of and really ruin this man's algorithm. (laughs) Thank you so much for that. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for being here. Thank you for spreading knowledge. Thank you for evangelizing for the lamprey, for standing up for them. They've got someone in their corner. Maybe we've recruited a few more people over to Team Lamprey. Team Let's Love Them Anyway. Yeah. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for your time. We will catch you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that lampreys have latched themselves right onto your heart. If you liked what you heard today, I hope you leave behind some kind words for us in a review on your podcast app of choice, like Greeking Outer on Apple Podcasts, who said they liked the Cane Toad episode. Thank you. I'm so glad to hear it. It was a great one. That was a lot of fun to make. Go check it out if you haven't yet. That was episode 175. If you'd like to hang out with us online, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. Links to everything will be in the episode description. You can send me an email at ellen at justthezooofus.com if you have a cool animal you'd like to hear us talk about on the show. I'd like to thank Maximum Fun for having us on their network alongside their other amazing shows, like the ones that you heard promos for during this episode. You can go check those out, learn more about the network, and learn how you can be a part of supporting our show over at MaximumFun.org. Finally, we would like to thank Louis Zong for our theme music. That's all for today. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.